In our church services regularly, we use statements we call our profession of faith. That is where we kind of summarize what we as a church, as Christians, believe. And, and one of those statements is entitled the Apostles' Creed. Now, not to create any confusion, of course, this statement is not about or written by Apostles Lutheran Church. This is a statement that was written about 150 years after Christ. And it wasn't even written by the apostles because they were all dead by that time. But it was written by the church leaders at that time based on the teachings of the apostles. Now in the middle section of that creed, it talks about Jesus Christ. And, and we make statements like this. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Now, those particular statements have been the focus of our attention the last few weeks, obviously, with, with Holy Week and, and then Resurrection Day last weekend. But did you note the, the little statement, the little phrase in the middle of that section? He descended into hell. Have you ever thought about that? This past week, I've had a couple of our members ask me, Pastor, what exactly does that mean? When did Jesus descend into hell, and why did he go? So I thought it would be good for us maybe to hear about that, because, you know, as we use that statement, and as a church ascribe to that statement as a profession of what we believe, perhaps we should know a little more about Christ's descent into hell. Now, maybe you're thinking, you know, that sounds like just a lot of detailed doctrine, maybe some trivial theology. But I want to tell you that this particular truth is a powerful truth, not trivial at all. And so, borrowing a phrase from an old radio announcer that my mother would listen to and then I had to listen to, Paul Harvey, let me tell you the rest of the story of Resurrection Day about Christ's descent into hell. Now maybe I should start out with a little quiz to find out what it is you know. And so I'm going to give you a couple of questions. You don't have to answer, though, out loud. When did Jesus descend into hell? How did he go there? That is, in what manner did he descend? And why? And maybe as a bonus question, I could ask this. What difference does it make for you? Well, churches, a number of churches teach different things about this truth that Christ descended into hell. And so I say, well, let's look back at the scriptures to find out exactly what it says. And there are only two verses in the Bible that talk about it. Now, that's not a lot. But yet, those two verses tell us a lot. So let's take a look at the verses and the scriptural detail behind Christ's descent into hell and then what that means for us. The first verse is from 1 Peter chapter 3, where Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago 
when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. So let's take a look at some phrases in that and, and learn about the scriptural details, the truth about Jesus' descent into hell. First, we'll answer the question, when did it happen? A common misunderstanding is that Jesus descended into hell after he died on the cross on Good Friday. And the reason we, some people think that is because that's the way it would happen for a human being. That is, when we die, at that moment, our soul is separated from our body. And if the person has trusted in Jesus Christ, then that soul goes to heaven. If he has not trusted in Jesus, then the soul goes to hell. So we usually think then at the point of death, there's that separation of body and soul into one of those two places. Since the Bible tells us he did descend into hell, and that's what it meant when it said he went down to the prison. That's another term the Bible uses for hell. Jesus didn't go to the Jerusalem jail because it says there were souls there who had been there in the days of Noah. I don't think there were still souls in the Jerusalem jail from the days of Noah. That would have been one long jail sentence. No, it's referring to Jesus going to hell. So when we look at the words carefully, it says in the middle there, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. So Jesus was put to death on Good Friday. He came alive, as he said he would, three days after his death, on Resurrection Day. So then Jesus descended to hell after he came back to life on Resurrection Sunday, but before he appeared outside the tomb. That is, before he went around showing himself to his followers. That was his mission at that time then, to go and, and reassure his followers that he was alive, he had defeated death and the devil and paid for our sins. Now, sometimes that may be a little confusing when we look at the words of the Apostles' Creed when it says he was buried, he descended into hell, and then on the third day he rose from the dead. Now, I can't give an answer for why they have it worded that way. The Apostles' Creed is not inspired scripture. It's just the writings of men. We believe that its statements are true because we have scriptural proof for all of those statements. But perhaps their thinking was this, that he was buried, he did descend into hell, and then when he rose, it means he came out of the tomb and showed himself alive. Whatever, we know what the scriptures teach us. That Jesus descended into hell on Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday morning. Now the question then might be, how did he descend? Well, first of all, we believe he descended into hell as both God and man because that's who Jesus is. He is both human and divine, and his natures are never separated. There's never a time when he's just God or just man. He is always God and man. And so as God and man, he descended into hell. Now think about that. God went into hell. And the human being went into hell, 
and came out. That's demonstrating a fantastic power and therefore a powerful truth for us, which we'll get at in a few minutes. But we believe he also went there body and soul. Because when Jesus came back alive, his soul was put back into his body. Please understand that Jesus came into this world to experience everything that you and I are going to experience and go through. And that included death. And so his soul was separated from his body. But we know where Jesus went when he died. On the cross, he had promised that thief next to him, Today, you will be with me in paradise. That is, he would be in heaven where Jesus was going to be that day. Further, Jesus' dying prayer was, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So we firmly believe that when Jesus died, his soul went back to heaven to be with his Father. And so it is for People, when we die, our soul will separate. Believers will go to the eternal paradise of heaven. Unbelievers to everlasting condemnation. So Jesus had his soul reunited with his body and then descended to hell. That also points out for us that hell is a real place. That hell is a physical place, not just some spiritual, mental, emotional kind of experience, but an actual physical place. Jesus went there, but he came back. Now the next question would be, why? Why did Jesus go there? He did not go there to suffer. Again, our common thinking is, you go to hell because that's where you're being punished for your sins. And since Jesus was going to be punished for our sins, then that's why he went to hell. Well, Jesus was punished for our sins. And Jesus did experience hell. Hell is being outside the presence, love, and blessing of God. Jesus experienced that on the cross. It was testified to when he cried out, My God, why have you forsaken me. That's when Jesus was experiencing the full wrath of God for sins, sins that we committed and a wrath that we deserved. Jesus also cried out from the cross, it is finished, meaning that the suffering for sin, the penalty, had been paid. It was done. The work of salvation was completed. There would be no more suffering. So Jesus did not go to hell then to suffer. Rather, as Peter tells us, he went there to proclaim victory. Look at the words again from Peter. He says, after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Now, I don't know exactly how that proclamation was made. Was it something Jesus said? Was it a sermon? Or was it simply Jesus just showing up as the God-man, body and soul, alive, to show he won? Either way, the message of victory was clear. Jesus had come and won a victory over sin. 
because the suffering and the death for sin was now paid for. Jesus is alive. Jesus shows his victory over the grave. Though he was put to death, he is alive again. And he is showing us a victory over the devil. Now think about it. Here he is in the devil's domain. And the devil cannot do anything against him. It shows us that the devil has no power or authority over our souls or over our bodies. Now some people interpret this proclamation as Jesus going there and preaching to the souls in hell as to give them a second chance to believe and be saved. As if this were some kind of a a holding tank because they had not heard of Jesus yet. Or as if this were maybe a, a purgatory where they would suffer for a while and then be released. But nowhere in Scripture is any of that taught. In fact, the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die and to face the judgment. In other words, there is no second chance. And these souls that were there had disobeyed God. That is, they rejected him. They did not believe in him. And so Jesus simply went there to show he won. So that's Christ's descent into hell. It's a lot in it, isn't it? There is the when and the how and the why. And that's what we believe, teach, and confess. People who wrote that Apostles' Creed at the very beginning of Christianity felt that it was a foundational truth. Do you think it's important? Do you see its value? That's why we profess about it in the Apostles' Creed, even though maybe we didn't know that much about it. You see, it's not just a bunch of theological trivia. It's a powerful truth. Let me show you what I mean. People often look to Jesus for help, for help with the problems that they're experiencing, maybe some big issues in their life. And so they go to Jesus for that power. Or maybe we just look to Jesus because of the ongoing needs that we have. Some of those problems that exist day after day and it just are kind of irritating. And that's okay. God wants us to come to him for the help that we need. And he does give us help. Other people maybe look to Jesus and see the kind of way, the way he lived his life and, and see that as kind of an example for us to follow. Thinking that if I would just do what Jesus did, then my life will be better. And that's true. If we live the way Jesus lived, according to the will of God, we will be blessed. Life will be better. But Jesus has also done so much more. He's made our life not just better, but the very best. Because of his death on the cross, because of his victory of resurrecting from the grave, And because of his descent into hell, going into enemy territory, our enemy's territory, he has shown us he's won. And because he has won, you and I live too. So, 
that's the importance then, the powerful truth of Jesus' descent into hell. But I also want to show you now the significance of it for your daily life. You know, this was not just written down for the sake of writing it down. God wants us to learn and to see how blessed we are from it. It didn't just happen because God said, well, I think I should have this happen too. There was a purpose behind it. And one of those purposes is for us to see that the devil and evil powers have been defeated. And perhaps we can only understand the power of that truth by looking at the devil's powers. You go into the scriptures and you see the power of the devil in that he took possession of people. And that he caused people to fall into great sin. That he created a lot of devastation in this world. That's all the devil. But that stuff is not just stories back then. It's real stuff that happens today, too. Let's just start with something that's common to all of us. Temptation. When we feel the pull or the push to go against God's will, that's the devil's influence in our life. When we look around our society and see its moral decay increasing and increasing, that's the power of the devil. Earlier I had referred to the uh, old radio broadcaster Paul Harvey and how he would have his commentaries on, on things in society. Fifty years ago this month, he delivered a famous talk that he called, If I Were the Devil. And in that talk, he laid out all the different things that he as the devil would do to ruin our country and take us from God. And when you look at that list of things, you see over the last 50 years how all those things have happened. So I was thinking about that. You know, this year is Apostles' 50th anniversary. And we're going to look back and see all the wonderful things God has done in the last 50 years. And it's a reminder to us that, yes, even though the devil is still active, Christ has come to destroy the works of the devil. And we see that in our own lives. The Apostle John stated it very simply. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now, how did he do that? The devil works with temptation. Jesus destroyed that temptation with his obedience to overcome every temptation. And he gives that obedience to us through faith. The devil tried to use sin to pull us away from God and to have us fall under God's justice. But Jesus put himself in our place and took God's justice upon himself so that you and I will not be punished for our sin. Jesus has also come, overcome the rule of the devil with his evil ways. Because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He rules over everything. Now, yes, we see evil in our society. We see it increasing. And we know the devil is behind it. But the Bible also tells us the devil has limits set on him by God. In Revelation 20, for example, it tells us that the devil is chained up. We might picture that like a dog that's chained up. It has a, 
an area in which it can roam and have influence, but outside of that it has no area. An encouragement for us. Don't go into the influence of the devil. Stay away. And so God has come and has defeated the devil and his powers. And here's, here's the neat part then. That victory of Christ also becomes ours. Here's the second passage now in the Bible that talks about Christ's descent into hell and its significance for you and me. From Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, those are two words that the Bible uses to describe the devil and his realm of evil, powers and authorities. Christ disarmed them. He took the power away. It says, Then he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Here the Apostle Paul is picturing something for us from his day. When a Roman general had conquered an enemy, that enemy and all his army would be chained up and the general would march through that enemy town showing that he now had power over the enemy and they were chained. They were in submission to him. And so Paul is telling us that's what Jesus did when he descended to hell. He made a public spectacle of them. He's showing us that he has triumphed. Their power is crushed. And so as you and I experience the pull of temptation, devil's power, whereas we see it going on in our society, be reminded that God has won the victory. And that victory is ours. His strength is our strength. So what does that mean? That means when you feel the pull of temptation in your life, don't look to yourself to think, this is how I'm going to get out of it, or I'm strong enough, that temptation won't bother me. No, rely on the strength of Jesus. That's how he has taught us to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Or in other words, get me out of this. Also realize that God has set an example for us of what to do. Look at Jesus and follow his example. And take his promise to heart where he said, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He's lost. But finally... If you do succumb to temptation, if you do fall into sin, know that Christ still has won the victory. His obedience will replace your disobedience. And his blood washes you from every sin and stain. Take to heart then the Lord's promise that his hand is upon you to protect you from the devil's evil ways. And he has surrounded you with an army of angels. Christ's descent into hell. It's not trivial theology. It's a powerful truth. It gives us comfort in death because it reminds us Jesus shut the gates of hell and the door to heaven is open for eternal blessings. It gives us some encouragement and temptation that we can say no to the devil and he must back down. And it gives us assurance of our salvation. We're saved. Jesus has won. We've won. That's what we believe, teach, and confess.
Amen.